This is Rob Gordon Bralver, and I am the director and co-writer of MobyDoc. We think that if we have the right amount of money, if we have the right amount of recognition, we'll find perfect human happiness. But I tried, and it didn't work. My life as a musician has taken me to a lot of very odd places. I grew up with two very angry parents who were screaming at each other and drinking. At an early age, I found music. And then there was this day when I learned how to mix two records together. It was like magic. In 1990, I put out a song called Go. I thought it was fantastic. And a lot of other people thought that too. <laughs> All of a sudden, I had a big hit single. And every day I drank more. I started doing drugs. I was out of control. Then I learned my mom died. And I missed her funeral because I was in bed, drunk, passed out. Everything I'd ever wanted had been given to me, and I'd never been more depressed. Deep down, we assume that if anyone looks too closely, they'll be repelled. I was working on this album, Play, and it just sounded terrible to me. Slowly but surely, everybody who discovered the music felt like there was something special there. It started off small, and then it just kept selling more. I was able to take the fear and make it beautiful. None of this was expected. Making music has been baffling, confusing, but wonderful. like hyperbole, but music saved me. That is a trailer from the documentary Moby Doc, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Today we're talking about Richard Melville Hall, better known to most of us as Moby, the electronic music pioneer. Joining us to discuss Moby, the musician and DJ, as well as photographer and animal rights activist, among many other things, and the soon-to-be-released Moby Doc, is writer, producer, and director Rob Gordon Bralver. Rob, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? Doing pretty well, thanks. Thank you uh, for having me on. Yeah, well, no, it's great to have you. Um, Moby Doc is the film. We've uh, seen or heard the trailer. Uh, Releasing on May 28th. I haven't been able to say this in a while, but it's going to have a theatrical release, I gather. Um, And also being released on digital platforms and certainly in North America. Do you know where it is streaming? Uh, I do not yet, actually. So I'm sure we'll have the news released soon. Uh, I think all of the obvious places, you know. <laughs> okay. You will be able to find it on Apple and Amazon and you know everywhere else I expect. Okay. So uh and this also corresponds with the uh, release of Moby's 19th studio album uh, on the same day reprise. 
Uh, I wanted to say reprise, but I've now figured out that it is actually reprise. Uh, but uh, thanks so much, Rob, for coming onto the podcast, and congratulations on getting this released. Um, now, this may be the probably the stupidest question I've ever asked on this podcast, because it seems so obvious, but... Uh, you know, I'm also aware that I was talking to some uh, Gen Zs and uh, and millennials, and some uh, not as familiar about Moby, who Moby is. And so, right. uh, maybe you can tell us what is Moby Doc about. Uh, well, uh, I think the way that um, it makes the most sense to discuss is, um, which only emerged to us kind of in the process of making it. You know, was that it's not really a music biography or you know a biopic mm -hmm. uh, so much as it is a psychological portrait uh, of a man who happens to be a musician of world you know some world renowned mm -hmm. um and i think that's a a better way to go into the film as opposed to you know um a traditional music biopic so okay. it's takes place inside the brain <laughs> uh, so, something like so that really it's a i mean it's a film about Richard Melville Hall, a.k.a. Moby, isn't it? I mean, we, we really get Very to much know. so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, um, that is who it's about. Yeah. I mean, um, may I ask, do you call him Moby or do you call yeah. him, What do you call him? Is that how you... Usually, usually Moby. If we're in a real flow, uh, then just Mo, for short, is a good, okay. is a good nickname. But uh, <laughs> yeah, never Richard. So Okay. He's he's not Richie or Rick or anything like that. I don't so. think he would respond to that unless it was his aunt, you know. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, so it's you know it's about Moby and it's his life and career and all of the life lessons he's learned along the way. So, and and I think for maybe even even someone like me who's who remembers, I mean, we forget just how big. I mean, I know he's still big. He's, uh, as you say, he's a musician of, of renown. But I mean, he, you know, and we'll get back to this. But uh, and this isn't your typical music biop, uh, biopic by any stretch, uh, as you've already said. But um, I think we forget how big he was. Certainly in those, certainly when his album Play came out. I mean, he was yeah. just ubiquitous. And mm -hmm. and doing some research myself, I mean, I, I I see he still resonates. That that album was the soundtrack for many people's lives. I mean, they pretty much. I think that's almost a direct quote from someone. I think, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know. And I think, um, but what we do get to see is maybe something that people weren't aware is. Uh, and now this is kind of takes us down traditional biopic route, but uh, uh, we are introduced to his backstory, aren't we? Yeah, you certainly get the biographical components. I think it's um, perhaps more in the way that it's presented uh, that may be a little bit more offbeat. But um, yeah, you get you get uh, you get all of the greatest hits and most important moments, you know, of his life that that shaped him. Um, childhood was obviously a big deal to him, um, as it is for everybody. But yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, it uh, and I think we focus in on a number of, you know, pretty key moments in his development that that made him uh, become both the artist and activist that uh, he, he grew up to be. Yeah, so he has this very troubled childhood, um, as he is, is, is outlined in, in, in interesting ways uh, in the uh, in the film. Um, and then he, you know, basically music, as he would say, um, I think literally 
I think it's a quote that says saves his life. Um, mm-hmm. And what I found interesting is I hadn't realized I didn't wasn't aware of his punk background. Um, yeah, but that's right. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, as as he describes, it's uh, an evolution, you know, to to find what what compelled him most. And I mean, really, it's he's um, a completely multifaceted musician. I mean, while you know he's most known for play, um, he you know, he can play on an instrument and he could do, you know, if you, you could blindfolded have him play any type of music from classical to, uh, you know, thrash metal. Uh, mm. he, he would be equally capable of doing it. Um, but, you know, he, when he was learning as a child, um, you know, he started like anyone does who starts taking piano lessons and guitar lessons with um, mm. more classical background kind of education. And then, uh you know, the era when he was a teenager was when, you know, you're learning classical with your uh, teacher, but seeing uh, things like The Clash mm. and Bat and Bad Brains and um, some of these other bands at the time. And, uh, you know, that just got him a lot more excited and wanted, you know, he wanted to emulate that. And so you can, <laughs> as many teenagers might have a similar reaction. Yeah. And, and I think... Um... And it's, so, I mean, I just, as someone who is, I think of, is known of Moby since sort of the, uh, let's say, mid to late 90s. I mean, that was a background I hadn't, um, you know, I, I think, as you said, he's multifaceted. Um, we get, um, and people get fixated on the sort of the electronic or electronica element of Yeah, it. the more spacey, uh, you know, which is you know, it, it sort of has become the bulk of his catalog, I guess, in terms of what's most well-known, the um, yeah. more ethereal electronic stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can go from album to album and hear, you know, all kinds of music, so. Yeah. And then he, um, <clears throat> so, I mean, if I if you do bear with me, we'll do a little bit of this, sort yeah. of what's a bit more traditional uh, sort of biopic questions. But, no, so uh, yeah, I'm not how much how much story you want me to tell or like, bio you want me to relate yeah no it's i don't um, think we we don't need to re we don't need to we don't need to i think it's just helped set the stage for some of our listeners actually just so they they have a better you know kind of an idea Uh, um and you know and also kind of serves as a bit of a taster uh so they can uh obviously go uh, right watch the film and uh find out for themselves but uh um and we're ba- we're a UK based uh, podcast, so mm-hmm. you know he, his first big break really comes here with his mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Go, um, and he becomes this. Uh, I mean, I think kind of what I get to, and it gets back to the psychological portrait, is that he you know he does he becomes this uh, dance electronic music giant, doesn't he? In, yeah, in sort of the uh, 90s, that's right. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I even listened to. I was not aware of some of the songs that were on "Everything Is Wrong." Uh, it was on some people's album of the year lists and stuff. That you know, I, I hear that I still hear them now. That get they get played. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in whatever context. That's um, it's very tough to escape. There were days when I would leave his house, and uh, you know, after a day of shooting or editing stuff together, and get back to my apartment building and his, you know, he'd be playing in the lobby and he, he couldn't <laughs> escape. I was like, man, this just can't, can't get out of my head. But, uh, yeah. but I guess yeah. what, so, but then he, I mean, he's very, you know, he's very upfront. He's very matter of fact about this um, in the film. His, uh, you know, maybe it's a bit 
hyperbole, but he's, his career crashes with that album mm-hmm. Animal Rights, doesn't it? I mean, he just he went in a yes. different direction, and um, the listening public kind of gives him a, a big, big slap, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very much... Um... He has sort of uh, almost like a stock ticker. There was like a preliminary rise and then a very big fall. And then, um, you know, the slow climb back up uh, to, you know, greater heights than ever before. So, and so how, and how did he handle that? I mean, because I think what we're seeing, we see in the film too is just this he's, he's, um, he's struggling with a lot of, well, he has a lot of these demons as well Mm -hmm. from his childhood and, uh, you know, so, um, it, I mean, it's uh, sort of a sign of his resilience, but how does he handle this? Uh, you know, so mid-90s, he's kind of, he, I think he thinks he's going to have to go back to Connecticut and become a teacher or something, doesn't he? Yeah, it was a definitely, I think, you know, a difficult period for him. Um, you get to that point where you feel like you have, you know, ascended and made it and no longer need to worry about um you know, the, the lifelong career struggle and dreams that you've always had. And mm-hmm. when you think you've got there and then you're, you know, you're one, one mistake away or not really a mistake, but you know, <laughs> whatever you like isn't what other people liked all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a down period for him. And I think he uh, retreated into, uh, into the booze a lot and uh, some other things. And that was uh, a very introspective negative period i think you would put it that way um but like many such uh periods of torment for artists it ultimately leads to uh the gestation of something really great which was uh which was play so yeah and and then that comes out in 99 and but most of us don't hear about it till 2000 for various reasons and he is as you said and even now it's it's everywhere he's ubiquitous he's uh Mm. He's, uh, I mean, I, I, I'll share an antidote. I was, uh, I came over here, I'm from the U.S. originally, but I came here to work for The Economist. And um, yeah, they, um, about that time, he was an inter- interviewed and he said he read the, uh, the Economist from cover to cover every week. And <laughs> oh, the, yeah. And all the business and marketing guys at The Economist were like, oh, a buzz. They're like, oh, Moby reads The Economist from cover to cover. That's I've funny. Never, I've never read it from cover to cover. I mean, I I, I love to skim The Economist, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't usually read the whole thing. But, uh, yeah. But, but I mean, um, you know, so he, he was, it was Moby. Moby said that. It's, it was huge news, you know. I mean, it was... Yeah. Uh, so, no, he. I mean, he he carved out a place in the culture for himself as I think something uh, more than a musician. You know, for a good long while, he's kind of an iconoclast mm-hmm. and uh, and someone who, um, you know, he likes to give his opinion about things. And yeah, well, <laughs> speaking of, I mean, I seem to remember back then, even not not too long. I mean, again, this is sort of what you're documenting. Again, in a bit more traditional way, if if I'm going to look at it that way, is the uh, sort of uh, rise and fall fame um being built up being torn down he did face some major blowback after that didn't he he did it was yeah not a not an easy uh ride or a straight line to success at all you know it's been uh a very you know a choppy and twisty turny road for him and um i think that's one of the things that he really wanted to relate in the film you know it's because there there's a big element i think of this that's meant to be uh, sort of a cautionary tale for, you know, not just aspiring artists, but 
you know, aspiring anything, um, that it's just, uh, you know, it, it's seldom the road that you believed it would be when you started, you know, <laughs> whatever your big pursuit might be. And that there's some hope, you know, some, some helpful lessons that he, you know, he likes to pass along from, mm. from the way that he went. Because throughout, throughout all of this, I mean, he's, because he talks about it, he's now playing with David Bowie. He's got, you know, it's it's amazing who he's hobnobbing with. Um, but throughout yeah. all this, he's he's crashing hard, isn't he? Very much so. I mean, so that's yeah. Uh, this is you know one of the big ironies that he relates, in which you know people may not be aware of or expect is um, when he was at the top of the world with play um, and eighteen too. Um, and he was getting all of the VMAs, uh, you know, he, mm-hmm. he was going through a period of, you know, pretty deep depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that, that one, you know, I mean, now there's a lot more awareness of it, but I think maybe back then and only up until very recently, one might not have thought, uh, someone living the dream life would be experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have all the money you need and seeing it great hotels and cars and dating movie stars and uh, can still be uh, pretty low inside. <laughs> so that's, yeah. you know, and that's not, not too uncommon a story, but it wasn't uh, certainly wasn't communicated at the time. And people haven't talked about it as openly, I think in until recent years. So. I think that's a very good point. Actually, we've, we've had a few, uh, docs on and guests on and that's it's only 20 years ago but uh, you know you look back on it and even 20 just 20 years ago yeah a long time in pop culture uh history and 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 the manicured nature of of stars too you know i think everyone being so much more um transparent now i would think i think you know things were a lot more pr managed uh in the you know old-fashioned way uh, even 20 years ago so it's funny that's an interesting point. Also, this sort of our own views of mental health and illness and what it means. And um, if you've got cancer, well, go get treated. If if something is yeah. you in your head, well, there's something wrong with you kind of almost attitude. So I think this is a good time to um, take a quick break for our listeners. Uh, and we'll be right back with Rob Gordon Browver, writer, director, and producer of Moby Doc. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with writer, director, and producer Rob Gordon Browver. Uh, Moby Doc, releasing on May 28th. Uh, limited theatrical release for those of you in the in North America. Uh, for everyone else, it, it was well, certainly on digital platforms in North America on the twenty eighth as well. Everyone else, just uh, pick your favorite. Uh, uh, well, it's going to be Google. Let's face it. Google it and see. Uh, see, uh, but it will be out on your various uh, platforms. Comes out same day as Moby's new album Reprise on Deutsche Grammophon. Um, Rob, it, it it's safe to say that this isn't your typical uh, biopic. Uh, it's not a biopic at all, as you've you've already told us. Uh, how did this project start? Uh, so yeah, I had been doing uh, music videos with Moby, and he had been kicking around the idea of doing a documentary. I think you know for a year or so, 
Um, but without a specific uh, focus for what that would be, I think he just wanted to make one, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, we had developed, a, you know, a good creative rapport and relationship uh, from doing the videos. And, um, and we, you know, just kind of naturally got to talking about the doc and what that would be like. Um, and he had a decent amount of footage just kind of, compiled from you know various events that he does and following him around in his life that uh we could look at kind of as a start and see if there was anything we wanted to do with that um some of which is you know there's just sort of um mm. verite following around you know stuff there's in the film but um mostly we kind of just discovered from from talking and sifting through things um you know all of his old music videos um that what he was really getting at was doing um uh something that was like therapy through film you know <laughs> and mm -hmm. i think he didn't want to do uh the standard midlife crisis um fading rock star music doc uh as happens you know kind of every year you can pick one out <laughs> um but instead to try and do something with the format that would be uh, both helpful for him uh, as a, you know, really as a process of a way to sort of sort through his life and make sense of things. And then uh, optimistically um, uh, helpful for viewers, you know, uh, who, who could perhaps be uh, guided to take better choices right. <laughs> on some things. So that was the motivation at the beginning. Yeah. Now, I mean, isn't making a doc about yourself potentially could come off as extremely mm -hmm. self self indulgent, couldn't it? Yes, uh, it has that potential. And if anyone you know wants to feel that way about it, they are entitled to. But uh, I think it's uh, it's probably more the norm than it isn't with a lot of uh, quote unquote rock docs these days, where artists commission projects about themselves. Uh, and what's different about this one, I believe, is um, there is uh, a candid nature to it where it's, you know, it's very confessional uh, to the mm. viewer, I think. Um, and as much as might be guarded by uh, doing something about yourself, there's also an openness um, and an avail, you know, an access that would not be there if it were being uh, come at from a completely outsider's perspective, you know? So I think, and, and what's, what's not said is, is obvious as what is said, you know? And so there's, there's certain things that, uh, you know, you don't, it's, you're not really beholden to explain someone's entire life in 90 minutes, I think. Right, and right. the thing, the things that are chosen to explore in those 90 minutes are, um, you know, worth, worth analyzing. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, and, and, you know, I have to say, we don't, won't do spoiler alerts. Uh, well, there's a spoiler. It's not a spoiler alert, because I won't say what he says. But, uh, I mean, he's extremely frank about some things okay. that happened that are uh, um, when yeah. pretty much hit bottom that I don't think your average um, personality, however you want to describe subjects of these, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when rock stars are, or music musicians are the subjects of docs, don't usually um admit to um no so. it's it's pretty grim and you know and soul bearing and he says 
you know, yeah, any, uh, many anecdotes that would not be there were a more airbrushed portrait. We'll put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. And so you're working. So how does this creative process work? Because this isn't, uh, because obviously you're working with Moby, who's, um, he's, uh, he's more of an artist than a, just a pure musician. So um, I have to say, I mean, and, and whether was was this intentional? It kind of feels like is it, it, is it well? It feels like Moby's directing the movie. I know he's not. We know he's. I mean, I can tell people we've got you on here. He's not. But it kind of has that kind of the way it's structured is like he is making this. He even makes fun of it with him wearing a that one scene where he's wearing like a beret. Yeah, pretending. Which we you know I had him do. <laughs> uh, you know because there's no point beating around the bush that you know an artist is commissioning a project about themselves but um well what's the, what's the question exactly well what is what it was like? the process well, like well how's the pro- i mean how is it uh, is this i mean is it collaborative how how did you work this yeah, out because you're the director very. and then you're, you're collaborating and then so in terms of the uh as you said earlier this kind of um like a lot of docs it kind of the the story or whatever the the movie itself gradually appears to you um mm-hmm. or you or eventually have a eureka moment i guess um but how did that uh, that work you did you just get cameras yeah. rolling and then no so so yeah the creative process was pretty interesting on this and and unique as well and i think it's it's um interesting to discuss actually as um from a broader filmmaking perspective, actually, in terms of an approach that I found uh, really great uh, relative to other creative processes that I've done. And so, I mean, usually, you know, the the phases of filmmaking are, uh, you know, script, financing, production, post-production, and it comes out. And with this one, you know, where, where in that one, you know, if you make a mistake, uh, it can be incredibly costly or impossible uh, to mm-hmm. fix something, you know? Yeah. And with this, we had just this sort of rolling uh, production where we would just bat ideas back and forth and, you know, email me things, I'd email him things. We'd sit down and talk about concepts. And uh, it was really just an absolutely everything is on the table approach. Um, and the, I honest, I would struggle to think of in a, a concept that I would put forward to him that he said no to. It was everything was let's you know let's just try it, let's just go do it, um, and we would just film everything, and then we would edit some more of the film and be like, oh, that didn't work, you know, that did work, and go back out and do it a little better or do something different. Um, and the nature of that was actually um, it was it was really great for the energy levels that it requires to make a movie um, where you're not going through these sort of spikes of energy with a lot of people. And then you're kind of isolated writing or editing again, you know, we sort Mm -hmm. of had a good steady clip of, you know, let's get into some production and then we'll look at it and get into some production. and Then we'll look at it. And we kind of just kept ironing it that way and discovering what the right tone was and, and what we were free to explore. Um, so that, you know, that was really how it worked. It was, um, just very open and, uh, we had a way of just, um, almost beta testing ideas, you know, uh, where we'd go out, you know, with just the cameras that we have, um, and doing some, you know, (laughs) 
doing something for zero dollars and then being like, all right, well, that's, you know, kind of fine, but why don't we bring the crew over now and actually do it properly? And, you know, uh, and, and so that's, and, and you end up what I think with what feels like, you know, kind of an honest handmade, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's. Um, no, I would. I would agree. I think. Um, I mean, it, the thought that's just come to me is 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 Moby a fan of, uh, or, or maybe not so much a fan, but is he is he watched these kind of docs? Because it, it seems to me that now that I think think about it, it, almost seems like he's a bit of it is is parody in in a way. I mean, it's it's yeah. serious, but I uh, mean, we definitely make fun of other docs plenty. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I've, as someone who's done a number of biographical docs, um, you know, I'm all too familiar with the conventions of them and, uh, you know, what you're, you know, not supposed to do or how, frankly, you know, other things that I've done where it was not in collaboration with the person it was about. In some cases, they passed away or in some cases they were alive and I was doing it more as an outsider that were, you know, 10 times more restrictive um, in terms of the story that you could tell. Uh, and, uh, and th- then this was, you know, <laughs> with the person yeah. just being like kind of in the rocket seat with you going, you know, I, you know, I don't care. Let's just, let's just make the weirdest and most interesting thing we can. And if I look like an ass, that's totally fine. You know, and that's, that was, that, that was very re- refreshing and different. You know, I mean, I, I, I won't, you know, about other films though, I just, you know, someone could have been uh, passed away and exerted more control over the process. <laughs> um, that, that's, so. that's a very, that's very interesting yeah. actually. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, even like with some of the, <clears throat> I mean, there's reconstructions and then there's the really cheesy style reconstructions. And there's certainly a few in there that are, you know, it's pretty humorous actually. Um, although dealing with serious subjects from his life. Um, and, uh, it seems to be all in there. And I think what I like, I mean, there's this one section where I, I forget where it is. Maybe is it about a third halfway? Th- it's probably about a third through where he even says, okay, that it's been pretty boring, bio biopic up through this point so let's go do something different yeah you know well it's like yeah we were obliged to tick the biographical boxes you know it's you have to tell the basics of his life in order for the um messages that he wants to communicate later uh, to mean anything or you have to know where he's coming from and what he's been through but it was it's it's very much a struggle for me to make anything interesting that's a retrospective look at someone's life you know this is what happened to the person when they were five and yeah, it's yeah. T- to not to not ken burns everything you know yeah. as most docs do is so that's uh we, it just that just that was you know it really motivated us to just be um as lighthearted with it as possible i guess so what is he trying so what is he trying to achieve or or you you too are trying to achieve with this film uh, well, it's, it's been a long year so since I thought about it, but I think um, for him, um, it's what he says in the film, you know, um, that the relentless pursuit of rock stardom and fame and money um, and drugs and whatever else that, you know, I think still quite a significant number of people um, 
dream about, you know, <laughs> as being the be all end all to your life. Uh, there is more often than not, uh, no, you know, nothing on top of that mountain and you get up there and it's, uh, not a particularly great place to be. Um, and so I think as much as that can be communicated to, uh, to people who are younger, um, or older and just be, be, be helped, uh, back onto, uh, you know, maybe a safer, gen- a gentler and more rewarding path, uh, then that would be a positive thing. You know, mm. that's, uh, almost as simple as that, you know, it's just pay pay attention to what you know is, is, you know, is actually good for you. So. Yeah. I think it it does remind me of a uh, we had R J we've had R J Cutler on twice actually but he did the Belushi doc mm. Um, mm. and he's got a scene in there where he's got a great quote from the um, guy he just passed away a few weeks ago Tony Hendra is a British American comedian um, comic writer who said something about you know certainly more particularly about the U S but just in general this this pursuit of um, of material things really. Uh, mm-hmm. just you once you've achieved what you're trying to achieve well, then what the question always is what's next How yeah then what that? <laughs> then what yeah yeah you know exactly what's your next mountain and that's you know there's a lot of recurring imagery in this film of moby literally alone on top of a desert landscape and there's yeah. nothing there and you know it might might be a fairly obvious visual metaphor but you know that's kind of what it's all about uh and uh yeah, it's it's something that everyone I think struggles with, whatever their field might be. Um, you 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 get the thing, and then you're like, all right, yeah, I don't figure out what I want to do next. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's a I I think it's a good point. As you're talking about him being so upfront about things, uh, pretty much says every album after play was not quite as successful as the one before. I mean, for whatever reason. I mean, not it's just. Um, how do you top something? I, I forget how many. Uh, yeah, yeah, know, twenty million. You know, you're not going to really do better than that. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, no. it, yeah, and it, a lot of people have one good book in them, you know, and then everyone keeps looking. You know, yeah. what are these next five books? Nobody read them. I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, and then uh, two hundred years later, some scholar comes across <laughs> them and says these things exactly. are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this one's even better. Whoa, yeah, exactly. Wow. So How maybe, maybe that'll yeah. happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a lot of it is that though. It's a cultural moment, you know. I mean, it's just the world being as it was in '99, and yeah. his music hit, hitting when it did, and uh, the licensing of a lot of it, you know, it helped yeah. help spread it. But yeah, it's very difficult to repeat the exact same circumstances. You know, impossible usually. So. But, I mean, this does coincide with the release of his 19th album, Reprise. Uh, now, I uh, was that... Uh, obviously, it's intentional. They're releasing on the same day. But it, was that... <laughs> it's in, it was, it's in, no, yeah. <laughs> it's intentional now. Uh, but it, it wasn't up until, you know, we were making the film for a few, you know, the last three years. And, it you know, it just so happened in the last year, coinciding with the timing of us finishing the film, Hey, I'm also finishing this new album, you know, so might as well release them on the same day. Uh, obviously, that made sense, but it was, you know, not from the out. It wasn't the idea originally from the get go. But the thing is, yeah. So he's got some interesting. So I, he's got some interesting videos on his web website about sort of the 
some of the backstories of some of these songs. Because this is a kind of a greatest hits, um, but with orchestral and acoustic versions. And were you involved with some of those um, some of those shorts that are on on his um, I helped him with the with the music video for Natural Blues, but I didn't do anything okay. else with that. Yeah. Okay, because I I think that's part of that's um, it was interesting. It's a it's how do you put this? It's almost the, a different side of him. You know, the doc is mm-hmm. one is one side, which is, as you said, is a psychological portrait of someone trying to come to grips with their life and where they are. Um, whereas the, um, some of these things on that social media and, and YouTube and places like this are very interesting. It's all about sort of the, the creative process, things that I had not, uh, probably he yeah. doesn't get enough credit for, to be honest. Yeah. I haven't seen those exact videos, but I know that, you know, the kinds of making ofs that you, you mean, um, yeah, I know he loves doing those, and a lot of people who follow him on social media are obviously, you know, aspiring musicians and uh, otherwise music fans. Um, so I think, you know, he really enjoys being able to just show people, um, you know, how he does what he does and make mm. it relatable. Okay. And, um, I mean, do you have any more Moby projects in the works? Are you about Moby'd out at this, at this point? <laughs> That's a good question. Um <laughs> I think I wouldn't be surprised if we did, you know, one or two more music videos past that. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I'd always be up for another video. They're, they're a lot of fun and they don't take that long. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we did our thing in this feature pretty well and, uh, you know, achieved what we wanted to when we started of making something that was, uh, yeah, just, just a, a different look at the creative process. Yeah. So that's a good question. He's he's happy with the end product. Yeah, you wouldn't done. be seeing it. <laughs> you wouldn't okay. be seeing it if he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it is. I mean, I think I remember when we first, you know, had lunch about it, uh, and we're talking about things like um, the diving bell and the butterfly, and um, yeah, being John Malkovich and some right. other, you know, yep. any yep. anything that takes place inside someone's head as they examine these vignettes of their life, you know, and that was to see if we could do a music doc that even remotely emulated that kind of feeling. And, um, you know, Tacit does that. We'll see if anyone else thinks. Yeah, no, the ref, no, that it's interesting. That's a very good point. Cause the references are, are, are narrative. They're not other docs are they? I mean, no. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, Frank, as someone who makes docs, I can't stand watching most docs and, uh, because I'm just too, you know, I'm too aware of it, you know, and it's like (laughs) the number of things you turn on. It can be about a subject I'm fascinated by, but uh, if I'm seeing talking heads sitting on a couch intercut with a photo uh, for the duration of the thing, it's very difficult, you know, to to stay engaged. Um, So as much as we could avoid that, we did, I think, uh, other than David Lynch is in the film. So, uh, you know, I I can't believe I hadn't actually asked you about that. That's actually it is amazing to have him him in there. Um, um, because I was about to. I mean, he's uh, um, well, you've got him. You've got a, a you know, you've got a, a well, a few others. Well, I think that's the only real sort of talking head type. Yeah. Element. Yeah. Yeah. But even and that which we is, yeah. 
It's David Lynch, right? So you're, if you're allowed one get out of jail free card <laughs> and there's a talking head, well, it's David Lynch. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we tried to spice it up a little bit, but yeah. 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 A, but I mean, what for you, because you've made a, I think you've made a very good point. What, what makes a good engaging doc in terms of your, your, besides, I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, that's a constant search. Um, it's, uh, for, you know, and what is interesting to me and might not be, uh, to, to anybody else, but I, it's really just a question of energy and engagement, mm. you know, um, it's very easy to get bored these days. Um, and, uh, as everyone always points out, there's a million other things to flip to. Yeah. So the challenge is really on you as a filmmaker to, to just, keep it interesting uh, or different whatever you know whatever that mm -hmm. might be um so it's really you know we would just throw things at the wall until they make us laugh you know that was mm -hmm. obviously the the approach more often than not was like is that funny is that stupid i don't know keep it throw it out you know it's uh just just having that kind of free creative spirit to to do anything remotely differently um and it's just you know we got lucky that it that approach synthesized well with Moby's creative persona. I think, you know, mm -hmm. so it, the, the film can reflect his, there's, there's um, sort of a literary side and a whimsical mm -hmm. side. And, uh, you know, he has all these other things that he's known for. So for, mm -hmm. you know, if the film, if, you know, if this had been a piece that was uh, really by the numbers and literal, it would not, be reflective of the guy he is yeah. right or, or what his what yeah. his fan, fans uh want so i think hopefully it makes his fans feel uh that this you know this is a movie film you want it to feel like a movie film um so <laughs> there you know it is so the whimsy <laughs> element is one that did strike me in that going back to that economist quote or anecdote i made is in in retrospect i'm thinking you know all these interviews over the years that he's given, I mean, I, I wonder how much of it to, some of it to take with a grain of salt. I mean, obviously he's got things he's very serious about, but I often mm -hmm. wonder how much is, you know, the real Moby, is he just kind of like, oh, here I is another interview. Here's this guy like me or someone asking me questions. I'm just going <laughs> to, I might just feed him a lot, yeah. you know, and let him run with it, you know? Yeah. Tough to say. I'm, I'm sure there are some where he's being, uh, very serious and others where he's not <laughs> it's uh yeah. yeah it's too many for me to assess but um so, so you've um i mean um and we're actually it's hard to hard to believe where i think we're coming close to the yeah. end of our, our time together but uh um you mentioned uh i think before we actually started recording uh but uh you've got this uh uncle who's uh, was in the film industry but how did you get started with oh yeah the doc films um yourself uh sure yeah it's um kind of i think it's a common story with docs um wanting to make films and documentaries just being an easier access point you know um mm. it's cheaper to make it cheaper to make them you don't need a giant budget and a giant crew and all of this stuff and you can just kind of shoot with whatever you have and start cobbling things together um and i was lucky enough to get uh brought into um 
a music doc when I was still in college uh, about Mark Sandman, who was the lead singer of the band Morphine in the 90s. So right. yeah. I accidentally ended up doing these 90s music docs 20 years later. I don't, you know, I don't know why, not by plan. It just it ended yeah. up being what happened. Um, yeah. But uh, so I did that one, um, which, you know, did its thing. And I think, you know, Morphine fans um, really appreciated it. And, um, that led to another music doc and, uh, kind of just doing the bio thing in general and, and did the Gore Vidal film yeah. from some years ago. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just, it's just kind of, uh, the medium that has, uh, you know, appeared before me. That's <laughs> the thing to do. And uh, as you said, a bit of a music theme, is that something you're going to stick with or you're or I don't do think you know so, yet? you know. Um, I don't really, the, uh, the honest answer is I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure if I could pick it, that I would be done with music films, but I said that before the Moby films. So um, I think if the right thing came along that was about an artist I was, you know, extremely interested in, um, that I had, a, you know, that had an, an interesting approach, then maybe. But um I'm more interested in, you know, almost anything else. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's only well, so I mean, many ways to skin this cat. Yeah. I, well, I've, I've, I mean, there's that. And I've also heard, um, I've had people tell me that music docs are a lot of work. Um, yeah. They, they take a long time, you know. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's the way to put it. They, they do take a very long time. I guess in this case, you didn't have to worry about all those music rights and those kind of things. Cause it's, no, Moby's got that was a off. big, yeah. yeah, that was a big plus. All the music in the world was uh, available to use. So that was pretty great. Um, yeah. You know, I had his whole catalog, obviously, you know, uh, is put to use in the film. Um, mm. So that, that was a very nice tool to have in the kit, you know, when making this. Okay. And what's, or do you know, what is next for you? Um, I'm looking at some stuff more in the scripted world, um, okay. but I cannot say anything more about any of it at this time, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, Such that's the nature of things. I, I don't even know yeah. why I ask that question anymore because people are always saying, well, I've got this and that, but I really can't say any more about it. But it's just the nature of the of the game is yeah until, yeah until something drops for sure you can't really uh, yeah when there's up. news there will be news exactly <laughs> uh, all right but, hey well so congratulations again with uh, getting this made um getting it released um i'm sure it will uh i'm sure it'll make a splash um and uh, you know um uh, Thanks again for coming on, Rob. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, talking to you about uh, about Moby Duck, which uh, releases on May 28th. And as well, Moby's 19th studio album, Reprise, also releases on May 28th on Deutsche Gramophone. If you have any questions regarding how you can become a documentary director and producer like Rob Gordon Brauver or other roles in the industry, I recommend you check out careersinfilm.com to learn more about careers in the film industry. I want to give a shout out to Inner Sound Audio just outside of York, England, and a big thanks to Nevena Paunovic, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such guests like Rob onto the show.
And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.